Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition, where our Football Insider subscribers come up with questions and Mary Kay comes up with answers. Today, we go heavy on Deshaun Watson off the top, Uh, of course, him meeting with NFL officials early in this week to go over the allegations against him. And then, of course, he'll be taking the offense to the Bahamas this weekend. So we get into all of that in the first half. Then in the second half, we get into some roster questions. Now, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, now's the time. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info, get signed up to get that newsletter delivered straight to your inbox every single day. Access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. I've said it enough. You would think I would be able to make it through without stumbling. And, of course you can become one of our text subscribers. Again, that's cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Okay, here we go. Our Tuesday Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our Tuesday edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition. Our football insider subscribers came through with us as they always do with some great questions, Mary Kay, and let's get right to it. They really kind of hit on some of the topics of today here on Monday, and we'll start uh, with the 330 area code. So, of course, Deshaun Watson is meeting with NFL investigators this week uh, regarding the allegations against him. And so from the 330 area code, hey, Mary Kay, if the league talks to Deshaun and all the victims before the start of the season, do you think they will make a decision on his suspension? even if the court cases are still pending? You know, yes, that could happen. Even though there are 22 civil suits still pen- pending against Deshaun Watson, the NFL can hand down their suspension and or fine uh, before this season and take care of it in the early part of this season. That's, of course, what the Browns are hoping will happen. They don't want this to stretch into next year. If, the, if he is going to be banned for a number of games, they would like to get that over with this year. Uh, So, yes, they can wrap up uh, this investigation and make their determination before the 2022 season. Now, it might stretch into training camp before we actually hear uh, what the what the situation would be, but they can get it done. And I know that there, you know, there is some thought to uh, people wanting it to happen that way. So there's some thinking out there that because they're talking to Watson this week, that might be an indication that this investigation is nearing its end. Do you get that sense at all? Well, I do think that it's probably ramping up. I mean, if they are going to get to the point where they try to make a determination for this season, they do have to move it forward. They've got to move it along kind of quickly now. 
And when I talked to Roger Goodell last month at the NFL owners meetings, actually, yeah, in late, in late March um, at the NFL owners meetings, uh, he, he said that um, at that point, they had only talked to 10 of the 24 accusers and gave an indication that they would talk to more, a lot more of them. So, you know, it is something where, um, you know, where I think that uh, they have to do that. I, I would talk to all 24. I think you have to absolutely do that. So this could be a, a situation where they had to go back to Deshaun and say, but, you know, she said this and she said this. So how do you explain that? Um, you know, it, it could mean that they are getting closer and, you know, it is what happens. I mean, you have to, to hasten the process along if you want to make this suspension happen by the start of 2022. And, and this is also kind of the week to do it because this is sort of an in-between week, right? The Browns had rookie minicamp uh, last weekend. Uh, they have about a week here before they come back for OTAs next week. Uh, and then you're kind of into three weeks of OTAs. You've got the mandatory minicamp, and then you've got that stretch in July. I'm sure that I'm sure there's a reason this week specifically was targeted and it's probably because it was maybe just the most convenient week to be able to get Deshaun to sit down and, and talk to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he's got a lot going on. He's got depositions. He had a, he had a deposition last Friday. Once again, there's Brown's mini camp. There's OTAs will be starting like the real on field work where you can do 11 on 11s will be starting uh, towards the end of May. So he does have a lot going on. And I think that this just, uh, you know, so happened to be a week where, you know, where they could squeeze it in. And, um, and I mean, people are being very accommodating to Deshaun. I mean, they're, you know, they're not yanking him off the field or causing him to miss Brown's mandatory minicamp or anything like that. I think that all parties involved seem to be trying to uh, give the Browns a, a little bit of a break on this for their big investment and let Deshaun uh, do whatever he needs to do to get ready for this football season. But this did seem to be a week where there was a little bit of a break in the action. Yeah, because obviously he's not required to be anywhere Browns related until that, that mini camp in June. So, I mean, even though he's been here and he's been involved, it probably wouldn't have been unreasonable to say, Deshaun, no, we need you in Texas this week. Right. It wouldn't have been. Uh, it wouldn't have been at all. But, uh, you know, even when you look at the, the depositions, those are kind of based around his, you know, his organized team activities, practices, uh, the next batch of depositions will be happening June 21st through the 23rd, two per day. That's after the mandatory mini camp, uh, in terms of the trial, uh, the trial will not happen between August 1st and March 1st during the season. So it, it does seem like, uh, you know, everybody's trying to make this work for all involved. Okay, we'll get to, um, we, we've mentioned the workouts, we're going to get to the Bahamas thing here shortly, but there were some other questions here regarding the investigation and the suspension. So uh, Bill DeShirko from Centerville, Ohio asks, hey, Mary Kay, do you think the NFL would consider, would consider Watson missing all last season as time served and just fine him based on his paper game last year? You know, it's a great question. It really is a, good, a great question. But I absolutely don't think that the events of last year will factor into what happens going forward with his suspension, his fine, or whatever the case may be. Last year was a, a function of him asking to be traded, and then all of these allegations coming out, 
and uh, and the Texans just decided that that was it. They were not playing him. Uh, he was basically done there. So that was a team issue. That was not a league issue. That was not a situation where, you know, sometimes you get placed on the commissioner's exempt list and you basically are having a, uh, you know, a paid leave of absence. And it was nothing like that. It was not coming down from the league. So because that was just a team situation, that's not going to count. If they decide that he should be suspended for six games, eight games, whatever the case may be, that will not mitigate it at all. Yeah, and that there was also kind of a personal choice involved in that too. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just, the, I mean, he was there. He was around the team. I don't know if there was a situation where he could have said, okay, I'm going to play and, and Goodell wouldn't have, maybe he would have stepped in at that point and said, no, we're not going to let that happen. But um, I'm, I'm sure if he would have said, hey, yeah, I'll play for you guys, they probably would have at least tried to see if they could make that work. I, I don't know. It feels like that there's a personal choice there from Watson too, that doesn't make it real punitive. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, it had something to do with the fact that he did not want to be there. Uh, they actually did engage in trade talks with the Miami dolphins last year. So there was a lot of that going on. And then, um, you know, then the suits kept coming and the information kept coming out. So I think it was complicated, but uh, once again, this was more so between Deshaun and the Texans and, um, and not the, the NFL. Now, as we recall, at those owners' meetings, Roger Goodell mentioned that he will not, he had, does not intend to place Deshaun on the commissioner's exempt list uh, because the criminal suits uh, did, not, did not go forward. I mean, these are only civil suits. And in the mind of Roger Goodell, that doesn't rise to the level of commissioner's exempt list. So in the event that he is not suspended at the start of this season, he also will not be placed on the commissioner's exempt list, which means stay home. You're not going to work today and we'll still pay you. He will be able to, if he doesn't get suspended uh, or if he doesn't, um, yeah, if he doesn't get suspended, he will be able to go play from the start of the season. How much does the NFL have to consider I guess the, like the Brown situation and all of this, and just, just this idea of like, if there's a suspension, it's just kind of easier for all involved if it happens at the beginning of the season, or does the NFL just not care about that as they, as they kind of work through this? Is it just sort of, it'll happen when it happens or do they consider a little bit of like, you know, we need to suspend him, but we'd rather it just be nice and clean. Here's the first four or six, however many games right off the top. I think that's what they would prefer happens. I mean, if it gets to the point where they wrap up their investigation and they determine that he doesn't need to be suspended, uh, you know, they certainly don't want the Browns penalized because of that. So, um, so yeah, I think that uh, that does have something to do with it, that they would like to uh, make their determination before the season starts so that they can say, okay, uh, we'll see you after week six or whatever the case may be. Uh, I don't think anybody wants this dragging into the season and dragging into next season. Okay, so let's uh, let's do a little forecasting here because Bill in Los Angeles, California says, hey, Mary Kay, if Jacoby Brissett has to start six games this season, how many wins do you think he can lead the Browns to? And I, I guess part of this is which six games is it? If it's the first six games, you know, Mary Kay, the schedule is – at Carolina, home versus New York, home against Pittsburgh, at Atlanta, and then you've got home games against the Chargers and Patriots. 
it's pretty optimistic six games there, at least those first four. Yeah, the first four, and I, I wrote this in, in something uh, over the last week or so since the schedule came out that, I mean, if you didn't know any better, you would look at those first four games and think, oh boy, the NFL really did the Cleveland Browns a favor there. It just seems like it is the uh, easiest part of the schedule. Even, even your division game there is the Pittsburgh Steelers who will have uh, probably a brand new rookie quarterback playing that game in Kenny Pickett, we think. Um, so yeah, it seems like there was something to it. Now, of course, I asked the NFL about that and they said, absolutely not. That had nothing to do with the making of the schedule. But in the event that Jacoby Brissett had to start those first six games, I think he'd have some success in those first four for sure. Um, and again, the, the Browns team is so good all around him. The defense is going to be really good this year. And uh, the rest of the offense looks great. So, um, so I would say Jacoby could probably go three and three in those first six games. I, I would say that's fair. Yeah, I mean, if you were to go three and three, and that would be maybe losing to like the, the Steelers, I guess, or, or the Jets or somebody like that. But it, so it'd be kind of an upset. But yeah, if you went three and three through six, you know, you're not in a position where you have to beat the Chargers or, or have to beat the Patriots. And then you kind of get the last 11 games of the season to sort everything out and, and get yourself ready for the playoffs. That's kind of how the NFL works anymore anyway. It's kind of like get through that first month and a half, two months, and then and then it's time to go. Yes, absolutely. Now, the thing to remember about those first four games, though, is that um, even, you know, when you're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and let's say you were talking about Jacoby Brissett versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, that Pittsburgh Steelers defense is still going to be really good. I mean, when you've got TJ Watt and you've got Cam Hayward and you've got all those good defenders on that Pittsburgh Steelers defense, uh, that is still not going to be a gimme, even though you're not too sure about Kenny Pickett. Now they do have a running game this year uh, and they do have uh, a good supporting cast for, for Kenny Pickett on offense, but um, including uh, George Pickens and Calvin Austin, two good new rookie receivers. And they've got their running back uh, Najee from, from last year. So um, it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be a given that you can win that game. I think that Pittsburgh defense is going to be really good. And the same thing with the Jets. Boy, if anybody upgraded their football team in this offseason, it's the New York Jets. So to, to look at that game and be thinking of last season's Jets, the only reason why, why you would do that would be because of the quarterback. If the quarterback is not good, then it will still be hard for them to be successful. But, boy, they really, really overhauled their roster and you've got Robert Sala as the head coach and I really like him a lot so you know that game's not going to be a, a walk in the cake either and, and that's still kind of a, a wonky you know it's week two like that's still kind of that anything can happen kind of week two vibe to it so that's I, I guess if there's a tough spot to get the Jets I guess I'd call that a tough spot to get the Jets also excellent walk in the cake reference we need to just make <laughs> sure we circle we can't let that just just go by the wayside here. Yeah, that that's Butch Davis. I I didn't make a Davisism on my own <laughs> there. That that's a Butch Davis little thing. All right, uh, let's shift gears regarding Deshaun Watson. And of course, we found out also today that he will be taking uh, 
I guess the entire offense, anyone who wants to on the offense, I don't know how it's going to work. Uh, he's going to take them to the Bahamas this weekend uh, before OTAs kick off. It is good to be a Cleveland Browns offensive player, not named Baker Mayfield, as you tweeted out, likely not to make that trip with the rest of his offensive teammates to the Bahamas. Uh, let's start here, though. This was obviously a topic of conversation all offseason about what was going to happen on each side of the ball, how they were going to sort of come together, that team unity thing. Uh, Bruce Jackson from Shaker Heights wants to know, hey, Mary Kay, does Deshaun Watson's Bahamas trip, trip put the pressure on Miles Garrett to do something big with the defense? Oh, yes, absolutely. When we talked to uh, Denzel at the beginning, Denzel Ward at the beginning of the offseason program, uh, he mentioned that uh, that those guys were planning trips. Now, I thought actually they were planning something where some offensive and defensive guys were going to get together, uh, but maybe they're doing it separate, separately or maybe there's something else like that coming down the pike. But yes, I think uh, Miles is going to have to uh, shell out some, some big bucks now and, uh, and, and do something kind of cool for the, for the defensive guys. I don't know if he's planning on, on doing it or not. Uh, he lives in Texas. He's got a lot of places he likes to go and things that he likes to do. So uh, we'll see if he does something like that. But, um, but yeah, I, I actually kind of think that he will. And, um, and I think it's good that he does because there are a lot of new guys on that defense too. Um, and, you know, they're still trying to get to know each other as well. So um, yeah, hopefully he'll do it. Who knows? Maybe he'll take the, the defensive guys to the Bahamas this weekend. And they'll just all meet up there together at Atlantis or something. They just won't be aware that, that they're there and they'll kind of yeah. see each other and say, oh, hey, what are you guys doing here? Yeah, it'll be a big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's Miles and, Den- and Denzel. Those are the guys with the money on that defensive side of the ball. Um, maybe they weren't planning on going to the Bahamas, but I I bet there's uh, like Greedy Williams and Greg Newsome and, and some of these younger guys with their rookie contracts are sitting there saying, hey, Deshaun, I know you guys don't have Deshaun Watson's money quite that much, but you still have a lot. And he's taking his guys to the Bahamas. You, you've got to step up. Yeah, it could, it could be happening. It, it could be happening. We will have to see how that goes, but I'm sure uh, he's probably getting a little pressure uh, right now. I mean, we were told there were going to be trips coming from Miles and Deshaun. So what do you got, Miles? It's you're on the clock. <laughs> so ultimately, how do you view? things like this, because we, we've certainly seen maybe not quite this big um, and this, you know, I, I don't know, this, this swanky, but um, how do you kind of view things like this? Because we, you know, we know Baker had his passing camp and him and Jarvis and Odell and Hooper went to Yellowstone over Labor Day. We have, we've had the Colt McCoy thing. Tom Brady always gets guys together. Where does this kind of fall in, I, I guess, determining how successful a team can be? Well, you know what? I, I don't, I, I don't know if you have to take the, uh, the offense to the Bahamas to, to get your mojo down and to get your timing and to get your chemistry. But what I do think it will do for Deshaun Watson, he knows, he knows that he's putting his teammates through a lot. He knows they are going to be asked things that they don't want to answer. He knows that he's asking them to believe things about himself that may be hard for them to believe. And I think this is a show of good faith on his part to say, look, I know I'm putting everybody through a lot and I want to help us get together. And this is a big, you know, sort of splashy thing that I'm going to do to show the commitment that I have to you guys, to this football team, and that this is for real. 
and something that they can also get excited about and to help put that bad season behind them. I mean, look, Baker Mayfield's still hanging around. I mean, there's, there's still a lot of uh, controversy hanging over this team right now. So I think it's like, let's go get away. Let me show you who I am. Get to know me as a person so that when you hear things coming out in suits or whatever the case may be, uh, you'll be able to, to say, well, I know him and it's hard for me to imagine him doing anything like that. Uh, so I think it will probably go a long way towards team bonding more than anything. It, it also seems like he's kind of embraced this pretty quickly. I, I mean, just from showing up to OTAs right away, um, you know, this trip, but also like, I forget which rookie we were talking to. It might've been Michael Woods, but he said that Deshaun Watson reached out to him within like an hour of, of getting picked. Um, and I think there's, there's been some other rookies that have said something similar. Like they heard from Deshaun Watson almost immediately. So it seems like he's, really kind of embracing this idea of like, this is my football team, you know, and, and that's the way it is. Right. I mean, when you're making $230 million, you're the quarterback, it is your team. And it, it seems like he's been very willing to take this all upon himself. Yes. It, that's absolutely what he seems to be doing. And I remember listening to Joe Burrow talk in the run up to the Super Bowl last year, or maybe even during the Super Bowl. And he said, you know, the quarterback has to set the tone for team unity. The quarterback has to be the one, Uh, that shows the team that, you know, that we are going to be what we are expected to be. And I see Deshaun taking the reins and and showing his teammates that he is going to be the undisputed leader of that offense and that he's going to do whatever it takes. And as you mentioned, he's been here uh, for the offseason program from day one. I think he wants to repay the Browns for the faith they've shown in him for the contract that they gave him. Uh, and, and I do think, yes, he reached out to Michael Woods. He's reached out to David Bell. Uh, he's getting close with Amari Cooper. And, uh, and I, I just think he's really trying to bring sort of a fractured team back together. Yeah. And, you know, like, like you mentioned Joe Burrow, and I think it, you know, a lot of Bengals players talked about how they had, I think, almost 100% attendance at, in the spring program. And that's not necessarily like why you win the AFC, but it is, it can be a, it can be a piece of the puzzle, I guess. Right. Like this stuff can be some sort of piece of the puzzle that leads to you doing big things as a group together. Yes. And and you might think, well, then why didn't work last year? Because Baker Mayfield hosted a Camp Mayfield and other guys did some things. But um, but what they didn't do is they didn't come to the offseason program. They obeyed their center and president of the NFLPA at the time, J.C. Treader who was trying to get guys not to go to the offseason program because it's voluntary and he feels it's better for your health and for injuries to not have to be there in April and, and in May. So uh, a lot of those guys, you know, they, they followed his lead and they did not show up for all or parts of the offseason program. And I know the Browns, you know, regretted that it is voluntary, uh, but by the same token, if your competitors are doing it, especially in the AFC North, or if the Chiefs are doing it religiously uh, and you're not, then you are falling behind. And uh, so I think the fact that they are all out in full force right now, I think it's meaningful. And I mean, it's, it's like, if you're gonna have the off-season program, you know, why, why not show up to it? You're gonna be in the NFL for four, five, six years of your life. You can, you know, you can go to the off-season program. You get your weekends off, you know? <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think that that's the difference this year is that in addition to 
taking everybody to the Bahamas. They are now right there every single day practicing. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's not a stressful program. Like, no. like they aren't like, even if Kevin Stefanski wanted them to work weekends, they're not allowed to. It's, it's a very restricted how much they can do, how long they can be there. It's, it's not a super stressful situation to fly into Cleveland once a week and, and hang out and get some workouts in with your teammates. I, I, I think it's a good thing. I've been cynical in the past about it, but I, I do think it's a, it's a good thing that these guys are kind of, again, I, I've talked about this. They're acting like they haven't been there. They're acting like right. they haven't accomplished anything. Right. And yeah, it looked a little bit uh, stressful at the beginning when they showed up to uh, snow on the ground on the first That's true. day. That, that was kind of <laughs> funny. But uh, since then, it's really been beautiful. Um, it's, it's been gorgeous out. And I know those guys have been enjoying uh, being back together. They're doing some things together socially here in town. They're going to each other's houses. I mean, it's a young team when you think about it, you know, I mean, really, there's a lot of young guys on, on offense and defense. I mean, it, once again, when you draft them at the age of 21, you know, they're still barely old enough to buy a beer, uh, but there's new young guys on the defense and offense, and they are spending time together. And I think that that is vitally important because you do, I think, play harder for each other, the closer that you are. All right. You mentioned our buddy, JC Treader. There was a question regarding him and some other players the Browns have lost. Uh, and we'll get to that next after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition. Jim in Boardman uh, brings up a few contracts here. He says, Hey Mary Kay. So with Austin Hooper signing for about $6 million a year, Jarvis getting maybe $6 million a year with incentives, and J.C. Treader still flailing in free agency, can we give it up to Andrew Barry for not overpaying for these players? Those were semi-unpopular moves back when they were made, but the market has spoken, and it seems like Barry might have read this correctly. Yeah, I think so. And, and I remember, Dan, when you did some you know, predictions for the offseason, you had Jarvis gone, you had J.C. Treader gone. I was just, uh, I was cutting everybody loose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we all thought that Austin Hooper should be gone just because he was not a fit here. Um, but I don't know if any of us really believed he would be gone because, you know, Andrew Barry signed him as a free agent, gave him a big signing bonus and probably hoped that he would work out. Uh, but yeah, I think it was smart that he did that too, uh, especially when, you know, you're just trying to build a different type of culture. And uh, I don't think he necessarily fit where they were going from that standpoint. Um, so yeah, I think Andrew Beery deserves credit for managing the cap the way that he has. And when you look at it right now, especially when they lowered the cap numbers in 2022 of Amari Cooper, Deshaun Watson, and Denzel Ward, as they go into 2022, they have the most cap space of anybody right now. And that includes having Baker Mayfield on the roster at his full $18.86 million salary. 
So if they could find a way to lop off some of that, they'll be in really good cap shape. And then you can go out and you can still sign a Jadavian Clowney and feel really good about it. Uh, or you can maybe try to extend David Njoku by that July 15th deadline, uh, or maybe get ahead of the game on some other guys. Uh, but they are in pretty good cap shape right now. And, and still have some left over to, to roll over and kind of keep building that, that cap space for future years too. And things are, yes. you think, going to get a little bit tighter. Um, I, I guess part of this, though, is it's still a little bit wait and see, right? I mean, if Jarvis goes to New Orleans and is really good and the Browns kind of look like they miss him, maybe it's not such a great move. And I, the same with J.C. Treader, like if Nick Harris struggles, that that would be concerned or whoever they put in that spot, that could be concerning. Um, so I guess he, he seems to have read it right, but also there's a little bit of a wait and see, at least with those two. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely um, some, those are some things to consider because Nick Harris has only started one game. And I think he is sort of penciled in as the starting center right now. Nobody really knows if it's going to work out exactly as they hope that it will. Uh, but so that'll be something to keep an eye on. In terms of um, another veteran receiver, I still think they need one. I don't know that they're going to go get one, uh, but there's just something in me that says I would have another veteran presence in that room because Amari Cooper really is the only established veteran on hand right now. And there's a lot of young guys. And Amari Cooper is a very sort of quiet leader, not a vocal leader, whereas Jarvis was uh, a very vocal leader and really set the tone. Uh, in that room, which may be that one of the reasons why he's gone. I'm sure they wanted to turn that leadership role over to Amari Cooper, but I still think he could use a little support from another veteran in that room. So we'll have to see how that one goes, because if you lose Amari Cooper for any length of time, uh, then you're looking at a really, really young receiving core for Deshaun Watson. I think I would back that up a little. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. If you can find somebody out there you, even if it's after guys start getting, how, however it looks, go, go see if you can find uh, another wide receiver. So there was a wide receiver question here, sort of wide receiver at Jason Joe from Naples, Florida. Uh, Mary Kay, this one is you've gotten rid of your heavy tight end sets, but Joe wants to go a different direction here. Hey, Mary Kay, with all these running backs and given how thin the Browns are at wide receiver, what do you think about more two running back sets this year? So I guess one heavy personnel grouping to another. I'm not really feeling the whole two running back set that much, uh, but what I could see happening a little bit more, and I've always wondered why it didn't happen more, is just using Kareem Hunt more uh, as, you know, as a slot receiver or as a wide out or in some fashion using him in the passing game with Nick Chubb also on the field. I can also see, uh, you know, there will be times perhaps when Amari Cooper is you know, one receiver and Dave Njoku is almost considered to be another one. Um, so uh, they have a lot of different ways they can go about this. They have a lot of, a lot of ways they can accomplish the passing game. I think you will see more three tight end sets. I still think you'll see a number of two tight end sets right now, mostly with Dave Njoku and, uh, and Harrison Bryant. And then of course you will be writing about Marcus Silva Santos or Santos Silva? Mar uh, Marcus, <laughs> Marcus Santos Silva. There we go. Um, so you will be writing a story about him soon. And uh, now the pressure's on. Now you have to do it. No, now I have to actually sit down and do it. <laughs> so, um, so anyways, yeah. So I think that, um, I think that they will have 
a lot of different types of personnel, but I don't necessarily know that you're going to see a lot of two running back sets. Yeah, I, it's, it's one of those things where I, I think we talk about it so much and, you know, Kevin gets asked about it a lot. Do you want to use Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb together more? And I understand why they like to save, they like to save one and, and you have somebody to go in the fourth quarter and sort of be a battering ram. But there is always that part of me that's like, if I'm a defensive coordinator, it'd be really scary to me. And I'm not sure it, it would be another like half day of work, at least to have to figure out how am I going to stop these sets when I see 27 walking onto the field? And I already know that I have to deal with Nick Chubb, who's on the field too. Like, how do I, how do I deal with this? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine though, if, if they use all of these guys so much more creatively than they have in the past. And I think they will with Deshaun Watson. I think they felt somewhat limited by Baker Mayfield last year and what he could and couldn't do. Now they have a quarterback that they feel can throw the deep ball, can throw the out, can throw it over the middle. It's not that Baker couldn't do that, uh, but he didn't get the ball out as quickly as Deshaun Watson will. And he, he started to be inaccurate on the deep ball. And he just didn't read the field as quickly, I think, as, as Deshaun Watson will. So I think that they feel like they're going to have so much more flexibility, even just with the guys they have now. And I think they're going to feel like uh, they're going to get a lot more out of the young guys that did not fare well last year with Baker Mayfield. And that's Harrison Bryant, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz. I think they're counting on those three young guys to really step up big with Deshaun as their quarterback. And they're going to count on David Bell a lot. I, I think they have high hopes for David Bell. I think they believe that had he been a little tiny bit faster, he would have gone a lot higher in the draft. Question is, will that speed or lack thereof, uh, you know, be a detriment in the NFL? Well, we'll have to see. I mean, we really don't know yet. I, they don't seem to think so. They are so excited about this young man. Kevin Stefanski is obviously really excited about him, but I think in general, they think they can, you know, throw pretty much any three or four receivers on the field and they've got a great chance of, of succeeding with Deshaun, or they can throw any combination of two or three tight ends out there. I think they feel good about the pass catchers that they have. And, and the other element of it too, is you can do everything right as a defense and then Deshaun kills you with his legs or hits a little, like you did in that playoff game against Buffalo hits. I think it was Carlos Hyde in that game hits him with a little pass. Cause he just, broke free late when Deshaun was scrambling around and turns into a big catch and run. There's just, it causes so many problems for a defensive coordinator to have to play 11 on 11 now. And that's like, good luck. Good luck with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Deshaun Watson. It, it's going to be really difficult. Yeah. And you know, the, the last couple of years with Baker Mayfield, think of all the times that we were saying, and he was saying, it's going to be pick your poison, pick your poison. And well, it never really turned out that way. It wasn't, the poison wasn't happening. Well, I actually think now you will be able to pick your poison to a certain extent. I do think the young guys still have to come up the learning curve to a degree. Um, but once the lights really kind of come on for them, I do think it's going to be more pick your poison. I do think that Deshaun Watson will raise the level of play of those younger guys. And I think you can do more things with him. And as you mentioned, with his mobility, there's so many things that you can do with designed runs, with just, you know, rollouts, with broken plays where he improvises and, and gets the job done. And, um, and, you know, 
How many times have I been saying, how many years have I been saying that I think that David Njoku is capable of twice the production that he's had to this point? I've been saying it for years. And I actually think with Deshaun as his quarterback, that can come true. All right, from the 203 area code with rookie minicamp having wrapped up, I thought this was an interesting question. Hey, Mary Kay. What do you look for when you see the rookies for the first time? And over your over your years, have you found anything that predicts success? Well, I would say that the first thing that I look for is, you know, do they look the part that they're about to play? And when even when I saw Martin Emerson, the cornerback, sitting there uh, at the podium talking to us, he wasn't even standing; he was sitting. He, he looked the part of a corner. He looked like an NFL cornerback to me and a very athletic one. Um, and he didn't look like the moment was too big for him. There's just something about the way that they move. When a guy is extremely athletic, they move differently on the football field than a, a lesser athlete. There's just, you can just see it. You can see it even sometimes on the first day. And then when you're dealing with a receiver like David Bell, even when you're catching passes on air, you want to know that, uh, that they can, they can look in the ball and catch the darn thing, you know, even in settings where, uh, where they're not going against the best cornerback in the NFL, you want to see what they look like. So I thought a lot of the guys really did pass the eyeball test. Martin Emerson did Alex Wright did David Bell. None of them looked out of place. Uh, And then just in terms of how they talked, you could see the football intelligence, the, the high character, the football acumen. So, you know, just those basic things that you need to have to succeed. Now, what I'm saying might sound like, uh, you know, master of the obvious, but it's not always that way. And you've been there, Dan, when a rookie walks in the door and we kind of look each, at each other, uh, you know, a number of us in the media will kind of look at each other and say, this is not going to work. This, this isn't going to work out. Uh, you kind of get a sense once they're in the building, if they belong or not. And I saw a lot of guys this past weekend at rookie minicamp that belong. Yeah. It's when they're out there with a bunch of tryout guys and like guys that, you know, like 75% of them are not going to be working in the NFL in the, in the fall. You want them to look a little different. You want to see them look a little different. You want to make sure that you know, you're looking, does it look weird when the receiver catches the ball? Little stuff like that. Um, just like you said, kind of making sure like they look like they belong on an NFL football field, seeing how they carry themselves. And Kevin doesn't work them real hard in, in rookie minicamp. It's not like I shouldn't, I shouldn't put it that way. They, they don't practice like 11 on 11. They're not going like full speed. Um, I, I think a part of that is sort of that draft process. They don't want to bring these guys in and get a bunch of hamstring pulls and things like that. They don't want to set them back. So they take it a little easy on them physically on the practice field, but you, you, you just do see things, you know, as a guy, does a guy look fast? Does he look slow? Does he all just, just weird things like that. And, and it sort of helps reinforce or maybe um, scares you a little bit about some guys. Yeah. And I remember like in last year's rookie mini camp, when um, I watched JOK working kind of one-on-one with some coaches and they were trying to teach him something new and he was getting it so fast that like they could just move on to the next thing right away. And you could see that he could just pick it up. And there was another player that came over and started working with them. 
and he wasn't picking it up that fast. And so there are certain little things like that, that you can uh, draw from those early practices, just, you know, how, how quickly a guy not only moves, but how he processes as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of drill work. It's a lot of individual work, but you do, you do just kind of pick up on small things. And I, you know, I've heard NFL players say in interviews, like they know when they line up next to a guy on that first rep in training camp, they like, know if that guy's going to be any good, <laughs> I'm sure yes. somewhere out there, there's been some guy who had a bad first rep and went on to have a great career, but these NFL players, they know, they know right away. So, I mean, it can be that glaring and that obvious sometimes. Yeah, it, it really can be. And, uh, and the thing about this rookie class right now and the guys that Andrew Barry is bringing onto the football team, you know, they have to be really good, really fast if they're going to make this football team and get any playing time because they're joining a very established and very talented roster. So, you know, if you are going to join Miles Garrett and probably Jadavian Clowney, you're going to have to be good. You're going to have to be really good up there. So the bar is set pretty high for Perry on Winfrey. And if you're going to, if you're going to join Amari Cooper and you're going to get on that field in three receiver sets and play inside, David Bell is going to have to be good. So these guys, they had to work really, really hard to add players to this football team that are going to be able to make and contribute on a team that might go to the Super Bowl. Okay. I think that's, uh, it's not quite everything, but that was uh, some really good questions from our Football Insider subscribers. Mary Kay, you and I were talking before we hit record that they always seem to come through with these timely topics and they, and they hit on everything that we want to hit on. So uh, we obviously appreciate them being subscribers, getting involved uh, with giving us questions each and every week. And if we didn't get to your question, keep trying, keep sending them in. Uh, we try to get to as many as we can every week here on this podcast. If you're not a Football Insider subscriber, it's cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info and get signed up. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to Orange Brown Talk on Apple and Spotify. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.